you for joining us from your living rooms, from your bathroom, from your bedroom. If you're still in your jammies, that's fine too. If you're outside in the shed enjoying some of this sunshine, bless you. And we, uh, we are privileged that you might actually join us here this morning. Uh, we've just got a short service for you here today. Uh, we're just going to go through a little bit of a time of prayer uh, with each other. And uh, we're going to hear from Pastor Steve as he shares the word today. Um, but before we step into the word, we're going to read from Philippians chapter 4. And I'm going to read from verse 4 to verse 7. It's a well-known scripture. You all have heard it before. And it's usually a scripture that we turn to uh, when we want to talk about prayer. Uh, but just let me read it over you today. And it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. What a beautiful start, yeah? Even before we turn to women in prayer, let's rejoice. It reads on, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Praise God that it is in Christ Jesus that our, our anxieties can be overpassed and we can surpass all these things that we're having to go through today in Christ. So let's go through a time of prayer. If you're with your families or if you're with some friends, you might be able to get around. If there's someone in your household that you can partner with, let's partner together and let's pray. Because I believe that at this moment and at this time in our city, in our state, in our world, there's probably nothing more important than prayer right now, seeking our Father and seeking His hand in the middle of the situations that we find ourselves in. Let's pray, church. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your faithfulness. Lord, we are so grateful that your faithfulness is not dependent on us and how we act and how we believe. It's not dependent on our faith. Your faithfulness resides and your graces come through every day. It never ceases. It never stops. Lord, you're not waiting for us to make a mistake for you to put a pause button on it. But Lord, we praise you because you are faithful in every situation. Lord, although right now we find ourselves in the middle of a, of a lockdown season, Lord, that many of our brothers and sisters in other parts of the country and other parts of the world have had to endure for many weeks now, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would give us the peace that we need to be able to endure this season. Father, we, Lord, we set our eyes on you once again. Lord, we pray that our, any anxiety, Lord, that might be caused by the current situation, Lord, any anger and frustration that is coming over every person or any person, sorry, that may be going through this season. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would bring a calmness, that you would bring a peace, that you would bring a stillness to our lives, that we might be still, Lord, and just know that you are with us and that you are for us. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. I pray for every individual that is able to hear my voice right now, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would manifest yourself in their presence, Lord, that you would awaken us once again, Holy Spirit, and as we go through this week, this next seven days of lockdown, Lord, that there might be an enriched relationship with you, that you would renew our relationships, that you would refresh our relationships, Lord, Lord, that this forced lockdown might force us to our knees, Lord, and force us into the word, Lord, that we would be caused to fall in love with you once again. Be caused to, to, to desire time spent in the intimate place with you. Holy Spirit, I thank you, Lord. And we pray that every person, Lord, that we would call family, friend, colleague, neighbor, would know Jesus and the gospel of salvation that we have been privileged to know. Lord, help us to be love. Help us to be you. Lord Jesus, your representatives in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our streets, dear Father, to see so many more brought out of the kingdom of darkness and brought into your kingdom of light. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. We glorify your holy name. In Jesus' mighty name, we all pray. Amen. 
Amen and amen. Awesome church. I'm going to pass it over to Pastor Steve. Enjoy the message today. Hey, thanks, Pastor Micah. Um, that was a great time of prayer and just, just a wonderful way to open up our service today. You know, we sit back and we think about the things that are going on in the moment and, you know, none of us this week thought we would be doing live stream and uh, we will, we're usually preparing for people walking into the church so we can see you face to face and unfortunately while we can't do that today, we can be thankful always that we can uh, still get together meeting on our couches and watching what's going on through the live stream. And uh, God's still able to speak. God is still on the throne, and I'm really excited that he's continuing to lead us even through these times. So again, thank you for that prayer. And for those of you that are um, wanting to know more or wanting to understand a bit more or, or wanting to unpack some of the things around your own feelings and things like that, Hey, there's a number of us that are going to be still around this week and you can contact us, send us a message, flick us an email, give us a call, all those things. Uh, we're still able to do many, many things that we're supposed to do, uh, that we're allowed to do even in, in these times of lockdown. So be assured, uh, there's, no, there's, no, um, there's nothing that we still can't do as far as your pastors being able to lead you in these times and, and encourage you and if you need a prayer, just shout out to us. If you need a visit, if you need anything, even at home, and you're, not, you're unable to get out, a quick message or a quick phone call, and we're able to do those things together and support what's going on in our community. And as, as Pastor Mike has said, think about those people who have been under the lockdown, those in Sydney in particular in the last seven or eight weeks, or even I think it's nine now, uh, those who are in Victoria and, and they're in their sixth lockdown. So we're doing pretty well, and uh, we thank God for that and his... His, uh, his mercies that are upon us, and we also think of our brothers and sisters in Christ who have had to navigate many, many more trials than we have, and we continue to look forward to that. So church, I was, I was expecting to uh, talk to a, a live audience today, and really I am, I'm talking to you at home, and I'm really hoping that as I share, um, in the comfort of your home or wherever you might be, you might be in your shed doing a little bit of tinkering, you might be sitting in the car driving somewhere, uh, whatever's going on, as you're listening to these words, I still believe that God's speaking to us as a church. We started last week a, a series called Church Transformation based upon a book um, that I mentioned. And uh, really, as I was preparing this message this week, the amount of disruptions, the amount of things that were going on around, uh, just interrupting all the things that were going on, I've I got to say... I, th I believe really strongly that there's still something in this message for us that can encourage us in this time to stop and reflect and to think about what God's doing. Now, hard in communicating this series with you as a, as a body is really to help us understand how God is leading us. Last week, we looked at what is uh, God's master project and what is the very thing that our all-powerful and all-knowing God is focusing on. Do we remember what that was? Well, ultimately, God's master plan, his master project, the very thing that's taking the majority of his focus is his church. We discovered that this is his major priority and the three major points that we looked at were really quickly able to help us focus on the things that God says about us. Number one, that God has called us a glorious church. What an amazing picture that is to see that God has made us righteous God has equipped us to be a victorious church. How amazing is that? That we can be, uh, by together, unified, we can be victorious in all things. Because our God is an all-powerful God and he wants his good news message to go forth. I'm still excited about that message. I'm still excited that, that as God leads us, that, that we're leading and following his voice. Because his promises in the word are that my sheep hear my voice. I've got to be careful because I forgot my watch today, church, so... Uh, the last thing I want is for this to go on and on and on. But as we're just looking through our introduction and we're talking about what is church, really I'm beginning to think uh, this next message is to help us unpack uh, the seasons as God leads us and preparing us, especially today, because change is rife. Change is, is evident at all um, intersections of our life. 
So I want to tackle this issue of change today. And I believe that we're able to uh, look into his word. But before we do that, I want to share a bit of a story. And uh, as we do that story, it's a bit of a testimony about how God's led me as, as a leader in this church. God so often speaks to us in the simplest of ways. Uh, it's often in the subtleties of God's voice that we can miss exactly how he's leading us. So whilst people are, are waiting for the, the massive trumpet sound or, or the, the amazing uh, audible voice, it's usually within our spirit that God speaks to us. And, and this is fairly what, what it was in, in my experience and how God continually leads us today and leads me personally. That uh, in 2007 or maybe 2008, I went down to one of our national conferences in Adelaide. And the guest speaker there that week, that, that week was Mark Connor uh, from New Life Church that I was talking about last week. Sorry, City Life Church. And I was looking through uh, his resource table. And on the resource table, I found his new book. This is his book. It's called uh, Transforming Your Church. And this was written, I believe, around 2005. And it's, it's seven strategic shifts to help you, you successfully navigate the 21st century. And who knows that, that there's been massive changes from the time that you were born right up till today. And we've got to cope and learn new things all the time. You know, just, just thinking about technology and how we've got to come to you live today. That's something that we've had to cope with. It's a change. It's something that we need to make happen. And, and uh, so we, we've constantly got these things that are causing us to grow up and to change and to, to make decisions. Well, this conference, I, I saw this book and I just felt the simple prompting of the Holy Spirit to, to, to baby buy this book. So I did, I purchased this book and I got home and I, be, I wanted to read it. I opened the first page, I read the foreword and I went, no, this is not the right time. And I put that book on the shelf. And about three times over the years, I've, I've gone back to this book and I've said, God, when, when's the time that you want me to, to read this book? And, uh, and, and I never felt the prompting to do that. In 2015, some of you might know, my wife went through a hard, um, a hard thing with the birth of our, our last child, Peyton. And uh, you know, we nearly lost her three times in the Canberra hospital uh, for various reasons. And I thank God for his mercies in that time. And it was in the middle of that crisis for our family that God spoke the loudest to us that he's ever spoken. And that was to call us to transition into the senior leadership, the senior ministry of this church. And and uh, if it wasn't for God leading through that dark time, I never would have broken through into the victories that God has today. So 2015 came along, the end of 20, we, we're working through 2016 with a transition by October 2016 of leadership. And I thought, well, maybe now's the time to read this book. Maybe it'd be good to get up and, and move forward and, and find out what's the next strategy, you know, get the next thing of how we're going to do this. And that's not what I heard from God. What I heard from God was believe God, so apply my faith, read the scriptures, so understand more, and trust the gift that he's given me. That was the conclusion that I received in that season of my life. So I, I studied the word and I, I prayed and I, I began to trust the Lord had called us into this season. And, and as I stepped into the leadership, uh, we, we were able to, as an oversight and as a, as a leadership team, begin to bring some of the changes through that I believe God was leading me and us as a church in at the time. Fast forward again another three years and, and uh, 2019, around April, uh, the, the youth were heading, getting ready to go off to condo camp. And that year I just felt the prompting to drive the bus for them and to take them over to Condoberlin and uh, just sit on the riverbank for three days and uh, be, participate in the camp in the evenings. But, but during the day, just press in and do some prayer and, and trust God. And I was packing my bag and packing all the stuff and I went and put it all in the car jumped in the car and was starting to drive out of my own driveway to come to church. And, uh, and I just felt this simple prompting. And I ran down to my office and uh, opened the door and I went to my bookshelf and I looked at this book and I grabbed it and I stuck it under my arm and ran up back to the car, threw it in my suitcase and said, just in case the Lord wants me to read it. I'm so thankful that I read that book over that day. Over the next day in Condoberlin, I read and noted the book. It puts a lots of red pen through it. And, and I was so excited as God had confirmed in me that first and foremost, we should take our leadership from him and we should take our leadership from the word. And secondly, there'll be voices and, and things across, along the way that confirm what God is doing. And as I read this book, what jumped out to me 
was that the direction that we were going was exactly the way that the Lord was leading his church in Australia in this particular time. And I praise God for that. Now, again, fast forward to today. Where are we at? What's going on? And, and they're great questions to be asking. But I think God hasn't changed. I think God is continuing to lead us in this way. And I think that's why this is a really important thing. How much more so today as we're going through changes, as we're going through the snap lockdown. That Yesterday we were planning all sorts of things and today we're doing something that's completely different. But in the middle of that, God is still the same. God is still speaking to us. God is still leading us. He's still encouraging us all around the same things. And that's why I want to share this message with us today. And as I change this, we can see the second message for today of this series that we're working on, week two, change readiness. It's an interesting topic, being prepared for change, being ready for change. Um, and and I, as I reflect on this, Genesis 1.28 really does stand out. Everything living and everything healthy grows. God has designed this by nature. He's, he's, he's designed everything in nature, everything that's living to grow. And he's called his church, which is his project to expand the kingdom of God. Therefore, a simple picture for us is this, that a healthy and vibrant church grows. As a seed is planted, we see it change and go through the changes before it becomes a fruit. Bearing a tree, that, that, sorry, a fruit-bearing tree that is largely enough to be able to house birds and, and uh, all sorts of creatures, but at the same time produce amazing fruit that we can enjoy. And really, church, when we think about it, church is always changing, growing, stretching, changing for the purposes of growing fruit. By our very own call as humanity, right back in Eden, we see that God commissioned us to subdue the earth. And this is Genesis 1.28. By taking ground and bringing under his lordship all of creation. In fact, the word that we use is that he's given us the task to bring his dominion. But it's dominion that's been delegated to us. So growth by very nature brings change. So Many people resist change, but ultimately growth and maturity and really nature teaches us that change is inevitable. Just look at conception. Look at what happens when, when conception comes, when the, the seed meets the egg. The seed is fertilized or the egg is fertilized. The cells begin to divide and quickly have a fetus. Then a baby, a toddler, a child, and the child grows up to a young adult, to an adult, and continually, even throughout adulthood, we see constant change. Now, some of you ladies and even some of you gentlemen might not like that because you run out and you dye your hair and, 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 and you put dark streaks through it or you put light streaks through it or whatever it is, and, 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 but inevitably, change comes to all. And each change prepares us for the next step, prepares us for the next level, prepares us for the next season until the point where we come to meet Jesus. Ultimately, maturity brings change. Growth brings change. Change is evident. When the, ba when the, when, when the first baby is born, how does your relationship with your husband or your wife change? What happens? What used to take you five minutes to leave the house now takes you 55 minutes to leave the house. Everything changes. And, uh, you know, there's obviously grace for those changes. We, we expect them because we may have planned the child and we may have put good things in place. But in the end, we've got to adapt to the change that comes. Think about the changes to the church that can enter. Firstly, concepts and ideas are changes that can come in. Changes that we might not be prepared for. Answers to questions you weren't asking when the church was 30 people that you now have to ask when the church is at 300 people. There's stages of growth questions that must be asked and they always lead to change. Constant changes to personnel, different people in different ministry roles, not knowing who to go to 
not knowing who it is that I can get the information I need at the time. Hence why we bring in an app so you can find out that information extremely quickly. Personnel move on for various reasons. They might be called out for ministry purposes. They might be called on to another role in another community. Um, we, we do live in such a transient city, so we may have met a couple of hundred people through our church that we've, be, we've become friends with who have eventually been called out to do different things. That's a change that we all have to grapple with. What about the change of new Christians coming into the church and how exciting that is when they come in and, and we hear their testimonies and we see that the, the God is purposefully working into their, into their world as they're being discipled by the Holy Spirit and his church. People who once led, now ministering to others. So, sorry, people that we once led. Think about your own groups of people that you were leading and growing and discipling who are now going on and doing the same thing. You might not get a lot of time with those people anymore, but we can all sit back and celebrate the change because more people are being impacted for the kingdom of God. New families coming into the church, each with a different experience. What about, what about the broken who come into the church and the, the things that they might bring in might not be comfortable at one stage. The, the difference of opinion, the difference of dress, the difference of um, even maybe body odor or something like that. Whatever it is, every person that comes into the church brings a change. And we've got to be equipped and ready and full of grace to adapt to God's changing processes. And none of these are negatives. They're all positives. But yet, many of us are still resistant to change. Many of us are resistant to change. This is the reason vision and values for the, for the individual local church is really important. Because it keeps us focused on God's call. It keeps us uh, fixated upon how he's empowered us and how he's equipped us and the vision to how we're going to see that make way. Today, many of us are linked into the outside world through ve various uh, opportunities through YouTube and even our own um, right now media apps and things like that. Now let me say all those things are really good, but what it does is it exposes us to, to many different visions. And we've got to be careful not to bring in the vision of another church into our church because what it does is it breaks down the vision and brings division. They're simple things, but we have to understand that God's got a purpose for each local church. And as I said last week, that's the reason he planted us here in this city. He planted us here so that we can stand against the gates of hell in this city together, unified Amen? With the plans and purposes that he has for us. Jesus says it this way, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. An observation over the last 30 years of Christianity is that change is not accepted well by most. Even though change is a natural part of healthy growth and healthy church. One thing must come to a conclusion, or we must come to a conclusion on, as we mature as Christ followers, is that things done differently don't automatically mean they are wrong and it definitely doesn't mean that people are against us. The reason this is so vital is because God is in the business of change. While God himself never changes, I'm, I'm amazed at that. I, I, am, I am so grateful that God is, is constant and he's a constant in my life. He's a constant in your life. That as he never changes, he is always there and he's always reliable and I can always count on him. While God himself does not change, the reality is he expects us to. Let's think of it this way. This is what scripture just really quickly helps us to unpack. Firstly, while God never changes, God makes the crooked straight. That's an amazing thing. That's righteousness right there. While God never changes, he turns the sinner to saint. I am so thankful that God never changes, but that he changed me. He causes the weak to be strong. Come on, that's a good word. He makes the blind see, the lame walk, the lost found, and the captive free. This is the God that we serve. While he doesn't change, change is inevitable for those who call upon his name. He turns poverty into prosperity, darkness into light. God creates something from nothing. How amazing is that? That he creates friends from enemies that you and I, who were once alienated and enemies of God, have now by Christ been brought back and been made friends 
of God. And he turns having no purpose into destiny. And for those who are walking around out there in this world today thinking that it's time to give up, it's time to let go, it's time to, to maybe um, think of something drastically, ultimately God is saying that you're his friend and he's a, you're able to come into friendship covenant with God and that he turns this sense of no purpose and no right, no way of, no desire of living into a place of destiny and purpose. And he can take your story and he can turn your story from what was evil and intention from the enemy to take you down and to take you out. And he can twist it around and he can make it a story of redemption and he can give you purpose and your purpose can change the lives of other people. God uses change in our life successfully. How does he do this? Some things change instantly due to faith and repentance. This is called the process, or this is called justification. Romans 3.23 tells us, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by His grace as a gift. Justified by His grace as a gift. I've got the rest of the scripture here, but I think we can get the understanding just from that short verse. Romans 5.1-8 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with him through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand. And with, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given or has been given to us. Verse 6, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for the righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. To justify us. What an amazing scripture. And then lastly in this area of justification. It says for those whom he foreknew. Romans 8, 29 to 30. For those whom God foreknew. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined. He also called. And those whom he called. He also justified. And those whom he justified, praise the Lord, he glorified. And that's why he's got such a glorified, amazing church. Now, while instantly we are justified in Christ, over time, the Lord not only sets us apart, he sanctifies us as he's called. There's a process that happens and takes place here. The first one is seen here that just in the picture itself, that we're like clay in the hands of the potter. And he's, he's forming us into that for which he has purposed us. 1 Corinthians 1-2 says, To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. To those sanctified in the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who are set apart for him. The second Ephesians 4.22 says to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through the deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So we've got to put off the old man. There's a process there. We've got to die to the old man and we've got to put on the new man. While the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us and justifies us, it is our personal choice. It is our walking direction to become like Jesus that we put on the new man in righteousness and holiness. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3a says, For this is the will of God. It's God's will that we would be sanctified. This is the will of God. And lastly, Romans 6. 6 to 19. Let me just read this short piece here. But if you want to read this later, it's 
chapters, uh, verses 16 to 19 or 6 to 19. It says, For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, which leads to sanctification. Justification and sanctification justification changes us in an instance and sanctification is the process of change which brings us into the likeness of Jesus. See, God doesn't change, but he expects us to change and he purposes us to change and he empowers us to change by his grace and the favor of the Holy Spirit in our life. Church, as a body and as individual members, the picture is ultimately seen here in unity of purpose, but more than that, the process of metamorphosis. Romans 12, 1-2 says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed that word is is called metamorphoi and it means transformed it means like the the metamorphosis of a caterpillar into a butterfly or a caterpillar into a moth that process of what you once were has now been uh, gone through the cocoon and metamorphosized into something of which god has seen in beauty from the beginning And it says, by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. See, God is transforming us from the old way to the new. And we've got to be ready for that change and not resistant of that change like many of us have been throughout our church life. In fact, our readiness to change really reveals our heart position before God. If we cannot change, if we cannot read into the Scriptures and allow it to be a mirror to us and show us where we need to change, if we're resistant to change, what that does is it shows God that there's an element of pride in our life, that we don't need to change and that we're perfect and no one in this world is perfect but Jesus. And as we surrender to the process of change, the process of sanctification. We grow up into all things, which is Christ. What a beautiful picture that is. There may be times when things don't look all that spectacular, like the caterpillar, the grub that's just having a chew on the next leaf. But we realize God is in the process of transforming the church into something beautiful and magnificent. Often the cocoon can be seen like the storms that you or I are walking, the test, the trial, the constant changes that come, the unpredictability of life. But when we approach those changes, knowing that God is with us and he's not against us, knowing that in a position of gratitude, in a position of hope, we can walk those changes and find who God is for us in the middle of these storms, we learn something new. Because each trial, each storm, everything that comes against us is to position us for the next breakthrough, just like the cocoon for the butterfly. God never changes but requires us to change constantly, conforming to his image. I want to read a little bit out of this book for us today to help us understand change readiness space to change this one here let me just read this a bit to you um, this morning if that's okay church it says this we must learn to not only cope with change but take advantage of it in order to forge ahead in God's purposes for our lives when change is God ordained We must not resist it. We must be ready for it and excited about it. Although God never changes, he requires us to change continually. 
His focus is on the internal and the eternal. The Christian life is a life of growth, and growth means constant change. God is transforming us by his spirit into the likeness of Jesus Christ. He is building us together as a powerful church to impact our world. He does this gradually, little by little, from one level of glory to another, which you can see in 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 18. The church and change. Let's face it, the church doesn't have a good track record when it comes to change. And I wanted to read this because of this little story. Now, it might seem a little bit ridiculous, but this is what happens in some churches. Churches tend to resist change. Even if they do accept it, change usually happens with a lot of pain. We haven't yet mastered how to work our way through change. You may have heard of the story about the young pastor who decided to move the organ from one side of the platform to the other during his first week in his new pastorate. The board of deacons instantly fired him. A few years later, this young pastor came through the same town and decided to visit his old church. To his surprise, the organ was on the other side of the platform, the same place he had put it and had subsequently been fired. He immediately went up to the new pastor and said, Hey, I got fired for moving the organ over there. How did you do it? The resident pastor calmly replied, One inch per week. Church, I don't want to be a church that changes that slowly. I want to be a church that hears the voice of God and and instantly responds. That's why I'm talking about change readiness. This is what the book continues. Someone once said that the last word of the church will be, we never did it this way before. Letting go of the old and taking hold of the new is about as comfortable as a trapeze artist must feel when he or she is about to let go of the bar. And this is my reflection on this. It just says, why is change so difficult? And I honestly believe change is difficult because of trust issues. We may have been hurt before. We may not be prepared to open ourselves up to trust someone because we don't want to be hurt. We don't want to be manipulated. We don't want to be controlled. But when we're on the same page, when we're working towards the same vision, from the place of gratitude and a place of hope in Jesus Christ himself and faith in him, We have to come to a place of surrender to his change and trust that he's leading his church in his way. Looking at change readiness, church can be resistant to change. But we talk about change readiness quickly. Change readiness is an attitude that is open uh, open and receptive to new ideas. And I want these to prompt us today. If we've got an area in this in one of these areas that we're struggling with, then can you maybe write that down and, and during the week, even as early as this afternoon, just sit down with the Lord and, and process this out with the Holy Spirit and listen to his voice. An attitude that is open and receptive to new ideas, excited rather than anxious about change, challenged, not threatened by transitions, committed to change as an ongoing process. Change readiness is taking actions to anticipate and initiate change challenge the status quo create instead of react to change and lead rather than follow church if we're not in a position of readiness to change then what happens really quickly is the church becomes irrelevant to the society it is ministering to while the gospel never changes the means of being able to deliver that gospel must change to keep up with society does that make sense that as we 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 look at this stuff the the way we change is important for the delivery of the gospel in our own individual life and in our corporate life as a church body just one more thing here to read in in this area of this book Readiness, or change readiness really is those things there in a nutshell. But it continues, individuals and churches that are good react quickly to change. Individuals and churches that are great create change. Church, are we a a good church which reacts quickly to change? Or are we a great church? I believe we've been called to be a great church because we're called to be a changing agent in our community. We're called to create.
create change. We must be forward-thinking people. The Apostle Paul made it his aim to forget the things that were behind and to stretch himself forward to what was laid ahead. He refused to become comfortable or complacent from his point of view. This, was, this way of thinking is a mark of spiritual maturity. And you can read that in Philippians 3, 10 to 15. In case you didn't notice, God is a God of new things. He made us a new creature, given us new hearts, a new spirit, a new covenant. We live in a new day, given us new hearts. Sorry, I've said that one. We have a new name. We have a new commandment. We've been given new garments. His mercies are new every morning. We drink of the new wine. We're headed for a new Jerusalem and eventually a new heavens and earth. In the end, God makes all things new. Embracing the new things God has for us implies leaving the old behind. It requires change and transition. God wants freshness in our lives, not stagnation, staleness, and sameness. God sent the manna from, to Israel fresh daily. It couldn't be kept for the next day or it would rot and stink. In the same way, we need to keep receiving the new things God has for us. He wants us to be willing, open, and ready to change. Church, I think that's a really encouraging thing for us, is to understand that God is in the process of change. And I think over this time and over this season, I want to take time to unpack these seven shifts with us. But this change readiness, to understand that God has led us through these things already, that God has already uh, opened us up to these understanding, really, really just helps us to focus in on what God has done and what he continually wants us to do so that we can get back on task, back in focus, and continue to present the gospel the way Jesus has called us to do. Now, obviously, I haven't allowed myself enough time to touch on these things evidently in one setting, so I want to do that and respect your time over the next six or seven times that I share. I want to take us through these because they're really important. And next week, I want to talk about the first one. So as I close, let me just quickly tell you what these six... I haven't got them on the slide because I want to unpack them next time. But these seven strategic shifts that help us to change in our thinking are really, really important. The first one is a power shift. It's a, it's a shift from self to God. That's a huge shift that has to take place if we're going to be kingdom-minded. And uh, I'll touch really quickly on that in closing. The second is a priority shift. And the priority is shifting from inreach to outreach. What a, what a very timely word that is for us in our season to date. Shift three is a program shift from events to relationship. And I think that's really important that we lift this level up to get back focused on relationship. Shift four is a leadership shift um, from ministers to equippers. And not from, from, the, from the pulpit only or from the platform only, but that each of us see that there's a leadership calling on our life. A shift five is a ministry shift from consumers to contributors. That we don't come to sit down and receive a meal, but we come to contribute to what the Lord's doing and the expansion of the kingdom. Shift six is a worldview shift from a church mentality to a kingdom mentality. And I, I continually focus on that one because I believe that's a really important one. And lastly, a generation shift, which I would like to speak into a bit more with a little bit more of a father's heart, if that's okay, in the near future. But in finalizing and, and concluding today, let me just touch on this to help you understand what's happened just in the, simply in the last two years. The first shift was a power shift from self to God, and I want to teach a bit on this next week. But simply put, a power shift from self to God is a shift toward becoming a praying community. Prayer is so important. If we're going to ever understand how God is shifting us and transitioning us as his change agents in the world. Have you noticed that prayer has increased in the last couple of years across our, our community? 
And I remember in early 2017, taking, uh, talking with the oversight and even our leaders about making a strong shift toward prayer. I believe I heard the Holy Spirit very clearly on that because nothing changes without prayer. And what we did is we came up with a, uh, a process of slowly implementing um, prayer in our everyday lives as a church corporately and as a church um, individually as individual members. And we've steadily seen this growing and growing and growing right up to the point of this year where our night services to begin with were focused, intentive and prayerful by praying in the spirit and praying for the things that God is leading us into. There's no wonder we're going through the things that we're going through. The enemy does not want a praying church. The last three or four weeks here at church, uh, we've had a focus in our praise time and our worship time of spending time praying as a church. I can, I can hear Pastor Micah's words just ringing in the background, just saying, we need to learn how to pray for one another in the body before we can ever pray for anyone in the community. And that's an amazing statement. And God's making it available for us in this time where we can come together and seek someone out and seek an encouraging word of the Lord to pray for into a specific circumstance of a brother or sister in Christ in a safe environment. When God multiplies that into our community, wow, what a change agent that'll be. We must see that the opportunities that come and become evident for us to come together and pray as a corporate body, that we must take those things up personally and be at every one of them and say, God, you can't use me unless I'm praying. You can't use me unless you're changing my will. You can't use me unless I'm changing from the inside out and I can only do that in your presence. And I tell you what, church, God hears our prayers. Zechariah 4, 6, um, the Lord says, not by might or power, but by the Spirit of the Lord. Prayer reveals that we shift from confidence in ourselves to greater dependence on God. And that's a recognition of true success in my view. So we'll take some more time. Next week I'll touch on this one point, maybe two. We'll see how we go because there's a lot to talk about in relation to prayer. But nothing happens without prayer. Amen, church? If the enemy can undermine the church in any way, he will destroy the prayer in the church first. So let's get strategic. Let's understand what he's trying to do. And let's take every opportunity that we can as individuals coming together as brothers and sisters in Christ. When the church calls a prayer meeting, when the church makes it available for you to come in and pray, let's take the opportunity to be on our knees before our creator. That he may change us, that we may change the world that we live in. Nothing happens without prayer. I was going to say, come ready tonight because we're going to pray tonight. But in your homes, how about you set an alarm clock? Maybe 7 o'clock tonight. How about you set an alarm clock and just go and spend 15, 20 minutes, 10 minutes if you can afford it, and just say, I'm going to pray tonight and I'm going to pray that God would use his church powerfully. I think that's what the Apostle Paul would encourage us to do. Let me finish with this scripture. This is our application, really. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward or forward to what is, lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. I'm aware that there are people online this morning that might be watching who might not know the importance and power of prayer they might not understand yet that god has called them to a unique purpose but brother or sister understand he has and we've got to leave behind the things of the past all the hurt all the pain everything that seems to have been against us if we leave that behind let it go at the cross and push forward to the goal that God has, which is eternal glory. Not just for you, not just for me, but for each person in our community and beyond. I can tell you, God is in those kind of prayers. This morning, as you're sitting under my voice, and 
I just want to say, Jesus knows you. He knows your hurt. He knows your pain. He knows your confusion. He knows your anxieties. He knows that you're asking questions that many people might not be asking. That's why he came. Jesus came to set the captive free. Would you today join with me in making the first step of change? Bringing over, coming before God, surrendering to him and giving not just your heart, but your burdens, your life to him, trusting that he can make something out of that which the devil says is nothing. Let us pray. Lord God, today, we're praying that our church as a whole can embrace change, can accept change, and look forward to change. I pray that as I speak and as I pray to you today, your Holy Spirit will bring peace where there was once anxiety. I pray for those who are listening, maybe even for the first time, and hearing the words that Jesus came to set the captive free. I pray today that they would come to understand that they can lay down their life, ask you to forgive them, and that you will instantly change them into a friend, taking them from enemy and transforming them into son and daughter. Father, for each person that is in their home today, be with them, encourage them, Prepare them for the work and the shifting of your Holy Spirit. Father, more importantly today, would you open our ears to the voice of your Son? Jesus said that in John 10, that my sheep hear my voice. I ask that our church individually and as a, as a body as a whole will come to understand the voice of the Lord and the leading and prompting. I ask this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Church, thank you for listening. Take those words today, take them to heart. Prepare your heart for the breakthrough that is at hand. And the Lord God will be glorified through you and I. God bless you. And we'll hear from you during the week, I'm sure.